Hello, this is Cassie Peterson again, still in my solo quarantine up in Portland, Maine. Thank you, Asher, for inviting me on here again to speak a little bit about my experience of having and recovering from COVID-19. I think it's really important to hear stories about people recovering at home right now because all the headlines are about the mounting death tolls. It is a very real, very scary time, and people are dying. And we also need to hear about the many, if not most of us, who get this virus and recover from mild or moderate symptoms at home. I'm very fortunate to have my story be one of recovery. I had an early case of COVID. I had all the telltale symptoms, fevers, dry cough, chest pain, aches, and major fatigue. I also lost my sense of taste and woke up every morning with my eyes completely glued shut because of conjunctivitis. My doctor called me every day to monitor my symptoms and to make sure that I was still breathing. Of course, they could not offer me an actual test because I was not sick enough. I had decided to leave New York City in mid-March to get back to Maine where I lived part-time. But at the time, my four-year-old son was kind of trapped on a vacation in California with his other mom. We talked about having them fly back to Maine so we could all be together in the quarantine, but we missed the window because I got sick and then it didn't make sense for them to come home on a plane and right into my illness. They are still hunkered down with extended family in California at this time. Additionally, I had been in a recent romantic relationship that was on the skids right before this pandemic came to a head. When I got sick, I quickly realized that I did not have any internal resources to be able to deal with anything other than trying to get healthy again. So the slow decline of that relationship quickly became the end of the relationship, right in time for me to head into quarantine sick and now very alone. I was sick, alone, and scared, and there was nothing I could do about it but hunker down, surrender, and accept it. I remember so many fevered, hallucinatory nights where I was suddenly overwhelmed with the feeling like I could die at any moment. I remember waking up to the sound of my own voice screaming in my sleep over and over again. One night in a fever dream, I imagined my lungs on fire, burning down inside my chest, and a strange hissing voice appeared in my ear and said, Corona is going to get you. It was chilling terrifying. But the labored breathing would pass and the fever would break and I would always wake up alive. But I felt I was getting ready. I was preparing. This might be it for me, for anyone, for everyone. My friends would text me in the following days to check up on me. How are you doing? And I would find myself writing back time and time again simply, I am okay because I couldn't even begin to explain the terror and the suffering inside the illness or how I felt that it was helping me get ready to face my own mortality. I don't really think that my body was anywhere close to death, but my spirit and my mind and my heart were making themselves at home in the underworlds. Having gone through the enduring ebb and flow of this strange virus, I can see now how it has been a deeply clarifying experience for me like a deep physical, emotional, and psycho-spiritual journey. When I was sick, I knew intuitively that my only job was to move towards care, real, gentle, unconditional care. Where does that exist in my life? And where does that exist inside of myself, here, now?
and again. It was on me to rest, to tend, to heal. It was entirely on me to self-soothe, to make offerings, to pray, to find softness and love and belonging. And it was on me to survive. In the worst moments of it, I felt like a scared, abandoned kid. It triggered a lot of old childhood trauma for me around being neglected and alone with no protection. But by leaning into my higher power, I was able to find ways to attend to these scared and lonely parts of myself. This is it, I would whisper to myself. This is what I have been training for my whole life. This is it. No more harm, no more have tos, no more shoulds. Only love, only care. What do I need right now in order to feel okay? It is time to trust myself. Everything I need is already inside of me. I just have to remember. And I think we're all being asked to dig deep and remember. I think we've all been asked to reflect on what parts of our lives are working for us, are in service of us, and which parts of our lives are not working. This time has helped me to reboot all of my spiritual practices in a very serious way. I want and need to remember what is truly important. Now is the time for honesty with ourselves and with one another. Say the things you need to say with open mouths, open ears, open hearts. We have nothing more to lose. This is it. This is what we've all been preparing for. For better or worse, this is a sacred pause, a time to reflect. This is a time for individual and collective deep shadow work. My illness made me feel confused and disoriented and scared, but as I went through it, I came out armed with a greater sense of clarity and wisdom. This is the nature of shadow work. When we are willing to plunge into the depths of our psyche, into the folds of our unconscious, into the basement of our soul, we will be confronted with all the parts of ourselves that we would rather not see or claim or bring home. But if you can tolerate it, the darkness, if you can stay close to the experience of your own mind, then you will reemerge in the light with a kind of clarity and connection and confidence in your own ever-deepening capacity to accept every single part of yourself. You may have guessed that I'm a psychotherapist. And I'm still seeing all my clients in NYC, remotely and online. <clears throat> And what they are all asking in both explicit and implicit ways is this. Am I doing this right? Am I doing the pandemic right? But what is clear to me after having been sick is that there is no way to do this right. We are all in this together, but ultimately each one of us has to forge our own relationship to this time. Each one of us has to make our own meaning from this very collective and yet very personal experience. What does it mean to you and what is it for you? There is so much to grieve here and there is no way to grieve the right way except to let yourself feel it. I'm feeling my own personal and historical grief, our collective grief, intergenerational grief, queer grief, and the earth's grief. Let yourself feel it. Let go. Let yourself fall apart. There is nothing to prove here, nothing to earn. It's not about doing this moment right. It's about allowing ourselves to just be. Don't muscle through, fall apart. 
Whatever you need to know or feel or embody will emerge for you inside your willingness to grieve. I'm still here in my home alone. I FaceTime with my son twice a day. I connect with friends and with my clients over Zoom. I am meditating and praying and grieving. I am grateful to be healthy and alive. I am now trying to let my life lead me instead of leading my life. I'm trying to allow myself to imagine who I want to be when I reemerge out of this cocoon. Who do I want to be and what is the world I want to live in? What part of this experience do I want to hang on to and sustain? The simplicity, the quiet, the stillness. I'm trying to help myself and my clients hold all of the loss and devastation of this moment and all of the hope and possibility for something softer, more humane, and more sustainable on the other side of this. Can we find ways to hold the catastrophic and the mundane? There is darkness and also light. Can we know that it is all true and it is all within us and that it can belong here? Can we push ourselves past the conditioning of living in a death-denying culture? The more you prepare for your own death, the more fearlessness you can bring to your life. In closing, I offer this. Let your life be enough because it is fleeting. Thank you.